Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. a Saturday morning. Welcome in to Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you, getting you up and moving for another day. And a holy cow, what a week we've had. Take a breath. Take a breath. Pat yourself on the back. Enjoy just a little bit. Hold on here. I got to trying to adjust my cameras here. So the problem is this week, I finally got a different chair in the studio and my chair is lower, which is good because I was hunched over all, you know, on the desk all the time doing the office work. So I was like, if I get a lower chair, then I can actually stand up straight or sit up straight and have a proper posture. The problem is now I have a hard time seeing my guests in studio and my camera's all messed up. So <laughs> first world problems. Welcome back into it. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQM, your number one conservative local talk radio host. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride, kicking off your weekend as well. And boy, we have a lot to talk about today. Elections, obviously, from Tuesday. We'll recap all the numbers in case you missed what those results look like. The obviously devastating vote on the value them both bill that that failed. What was it, 60 to 40? Pretty brutal on that one. 55, 55, 45. That's right, 55, 45. So we'll break that one down here for you in a little bit. And talk about uh, that one's garnering national attention. So we'll talk about that and remind individuals really break down what happened and why Democrats are trying to use this and why Republicans should stop them. Because I don't think that vote was as it should have been in what the polls said. Coming up, bottom of the hour, Michael Austin. He's with Americans for Prosperity now. We'll chat with him coming up in a little bit. They have an event going on this next week here in the Wichita area with get this feeling. You'll enjoy this. They're hosting at a, uh, not going to give the location as of yet, they are hosting uh, at a gas station prices to be $2.48, the exact same price that it was when Donald Trump left office. And they're going to be doing that for a short amount of time. So we'll talk about that event coming up as uh, they're trying to expose the Biden administration. Also, bottom of the hour, next hour to wrap up the show, Warren Martin. We've had him on the program before. He's with Kansas Strong. We'll talk about the oil and energy industry here in the state of Kansas. We'll talk about gas prices. We'll talk about green new energy and a heck of a lot more with him. And we appreciate him swinging in studio just a couple of days ago. But right now, all of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are opening up here in about 20 minutes until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com and back in studio with us to talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more mr phil martinez it is good to see you my friend good to see you the little bit that i can't see over my my uh, screens here <laughs> yeah i can see i can see that wild hair hairdo you got yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's funny i go to political events and they're like andy is that you is that you andy <laughs> yeah i figure why the heck not for those that haven't seen it that don't watch the live streams but now i have a I guess it's a just a braided, very long mohawk. I don't yeah, know. that's just, how, that's a good terminology. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's long hair. It's in a ponytail now, which I God, I never. I would have kicked my own butt three years ago if I would have seen myself doing this. But what the heck, right? Yeah. So usually braid it, but uh, it is a mohawk because it's only the top of the head. It's not the entire head. So yeah. it's rocking it. Anyways, how are you doing, sir? Did I'm you, doing fine. Did you go and vote on Tuesday? Oh, absolutely. Heck Stood yeah. in line for probably uh, about forty-five minutes. I mean, it wasn't too bad. We we voted in Valley Center, and and uh, we walk in the door and go, 
well, this isn't too bad. And the lady goes, oh, yeah, but the line. So the line runs down to the door and then back around and back around through the gymnasium and clear wow. back around the corner and then clear over to the far opposite corner and, and, and goes, I said, wow. I said, man, we don't need to vote this bad after all. And Linda goes, we're here to vote. By God, we're going to vote. So we did. We're going to vote. That's great. The voter turnout, 50% of both Republicans and Democrats showed up for the for the primary, which is unheard of. Usually it's like right around 20%-ish of registered yeah. voters that turn out. This is near 50%. And I think a lot of it because of that value them both bill. But with it failing at such a wide range, going into the week prior, we had it up near 7% in favor of it passing, yeah, and then it ended up failing. Do you think that people just didn't understand it? Do they really just want wide-open abortions? I mean, it was kind of strange to me. Well, I mean, I listened to, I mean, the one lady was talking about a topical pregnancy something, and I'm, I, the terminology is probably wrong, and she would have died, and she wouldn't have had her baby, and, and she wouldn't be a mother, and her husband would have lost his wife, and la, 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 la. That had nothing to do with that. That is not an abortion. That's a, that's a medical procedure they take care of. So there was a lot of misinformation out there to yeah. the average person. And then they also got to the fact that, well, now you don't want the government telling you what to do. Yeah. This would be a government-mandated thing. Well, <laughs> technically, I don't know that Kansas is considered the government. But anyway, that's what they played up big. And that's how it came across as the government mandate. And, you know, and I'm sitting, you know, and they all, you know, my body, my this, my that, that's fine. I didn't hear. I didn't hear any of these people complaining when the government told them they had to take the shot. Well, I mean, they, you know, the government mandated they had to have the shot, but basically, I didn't hear anybody complaining about that. Well, that was the strange part about it, and that's why I think it confused people because they were literally running TV ads that were using pictures of people in masks as they were talking about the mandates and how it's going to be another mandate and how it's going to take away your personal rights and so on and so yeah. forth. They were using video of people in masks during the COVID-19 pandemic to scare the conservatives of saying, oh my gosh, this is doing exactly what the COVID mandates did by forcing people to wear masks and social distance. It played on that fear for yeah. that crowd from it, the crowd that actually supported that mindset. Yeah, and if you li and if you listen to the, the one ad that was the biggest ad that was kind of like what we were talking about, and it goes, uh, what was the terminology? This could happen. That was what if, if you did if you didn't catch it this could happen yeah it didn't say this would happen or this is a possibility right so they were only they were only showing you the possibility they wanted I think I mean the other you got to understand that Kansas is the first state in the union to vote on this so there was money pumped in from all over the you know all over the country for this and anybody that was pro-abortion pumped it in and I told somebody the other day I said I'm sorry but this is an awful poor way for birth control. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's other ways to avoid being, getting pregnant, but if you, you you can't, you know, and the state will give you pills or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it's I don't know, it's it's it was a very I'm strange driving down, I'm driving down the road and it tells me to slow down to save a life, and I'm sitting there, yeah, but you can go out and get pregnant and take a life, and nobody cares. Yeah, it's very strange. I I know people were, and we're going to break it down in hour number two because I have the numbers, and I think that the numbers show that people were confused. They didn't know what they were voting for. They were thinking that the vote no meant to keep the current regulations in place and that voting yes would actually take it to a complete ban, which is what they were campaigning on on the other side. Well, of it. And that the, if the, you vote the, no, the, then the, we would the just state, keep and the maintain. The state would have rewrote the law, and I guarantee you there would have been there would have been places put in here for the things they said wouldn't be. Yeah, I well, mean, that's that, not, that, it wouldn't have been a complete ban on abortion. No, but there would have been current restrictions. Yes. I'm just saying because right now with the Supreme Court saying that it's a constitutional amendment, now their goal is to challenge every one of these restrictions on abortion to make it just a full on you can do whatever you want at any time you want. 
and get rid of the restrictions and limitations we have on it. And now they're going to go after that because of this, uh, because that's what they said was going to happen in those campaigns. So it was yeah. a mess. We're going to talk about that a little bit later yep. as well. And it's a, it's unfortunate. In the gold and silver market, though, how are things looking? I mean, it's been kind of an interesting week in trading. Uh, Let's see here. The gover- Silver's up a little bit. It jumped up. Uh, about a week ago, jumped up two bucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he was reading some economic expert that was looking at the possibility of the economy going to poop. Yeah, you know, going downhill fast. And you know, I've I've always told everybody that basically they say that if the economy goes bad, that an ounce of gold will buy the average house in America. Now, average house in America is $350,000, give or take. You know, somebody could argue that, but basically 350000 is a pretty good average on the average house in America, okay? Sure. And so he came up there, and he goes, this guy actually converted to silver. And he and so he asked me, and I said, well, you know, I said, technically it ought to be about 80 to 1, and he goes, that's really close. He said the expert figured 75 ounces of silver would buy the average $350,000 home. Right. So if the economy goes to bad, so yeah. that, was, that was an interesting, interesting concept because basically right now the exchange rate's about eighty to one. So that, that ratio to gold, so you know, it's, I could be a big landlord someday. Well, it's uh, yeah, it could be a very big <laughs> landlord someday, especially yeah. Well, well the, the fact that and you've talked about this so many times on this program, but the the value of silver has to go up at some point. The question is when it's going to happen because of being difficult to drill and, and to mine for the fact that it's, you know, that it's actually harder to get than gold. The fact that it's, you know, using for so many things with technology and solar panels and cell phones and automobiles and, and microchips and all this other stuff. Silver is that conduit for electricity. Silver at some point has to go up. And the fact that it's still floating between 18 to $19 an ounce blows my mind because it's still the price from three, four, five years ago when I started buying silver yes. from you, and it's still within that dollar, dollar and a half range. Well, basically, like we've talked about before, is this fact that if you look at everybody else's dollar that are struggling just like we are, we're just the basically that our dollar is, is the scum on the pond that's just risen to the top. Yeah. And so we're really no better than anybody else, but we're still a little bit better than everybody else, which makes when the dollar is strong, it makes the precious metals market weak and so but at the same time right now they're saying that 94 percent of all the silver being mined today is going straight into industry which only leaves six percent which is a very small percentage for investment and like I say it's getting tougher to get i mean anything i'm ordering is i mean the other day i had a million dollars worth of silver on order wow a million okay i a million a million dollars worth of silver on order that tells me that I can sell a million dollars worth of silver faster than I can get it back in. Sure. I mean, we're we're lucky we pretty well signed contracts and we're pretty well guaranteed our silver in 30 days. And I actually had to go out and get a dip, get another supplier because the one supplier couldn't keep up. And so I went to two suppliers. And I'm almost thinking about going out and finding a third supplier because you just can't get this stuff fast enough. Sure. And so, but our inventory is coming up. We're we're as close to being as close to having a full inventory as we've ever had gold is fairly fairly easy to get it's a lot more simple to get but uh, the markets markets are crazy sure i can only imagine how crazy it is and the fact that you still have silver because like you said no one else can really find it but you've had to go to so many outlets to get it i mean how much do you currently have just on a daily basis if someone comes in and tries to buy a mass quantity 
Uh, let's see. I just did inventory yesterday. Twenty. I probably have twenty-five thousand ounces in stock. Okay. That's not counting eagle, eagles. That's not counting eagles. I just counting basically rounds and ten ounce bars. Now, is that the same for gold as well? No, we carry we carry about a hundred. Right now, we're carrying right at about one hundred and seventy ounces of gold. That's so, it. Interesting. One hundred and seventy ounces is three hundred. Is almost three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a lot. Right. It, but it just shows that uh, you know twenty five thousand ounces of silver, one hundred ounces of gold. I mean, that uh, shows the popularity of silver and you know kind of where the market is right now. Yeah, but I've got fifteen. <laughs> but I got another fifteen thousand ounces. We're trying to keep our inventory setting somewhere around forty thousand ounces. Interesting. All we're, right. we're, we're, we we stock more. I stock more silver than my supplier. Mm, no, well, yeah, sure. So, but that's but that but you don't keep it. You know, if you sell it, you got to replace it. Right. And so when we sell five hundred ounces, we buy five hundred ounces. We sell a thousand ounces, we buy a thousand ounces. Do you get anybody coming in right now to try and sell their silver and giving it back to you? We bought some the other day. We bought five hundred ounces, and we we paid dearly for it. I mean, you know, people. You know, I got people calling, you know, the, you get a lot of new people mm-hmm. and if they, you know, well, silver's cheap. And so, so I can buy silver at spot. He, I can't buy it at spot. Some guy came in today and he was arguing with my guy. Well, if I can't buy it at spot, I can't believe that I'm going to have to pay some kind of premium for him. And the guy goes, so how much silver do you have? And he goes, well, I don't know. I've got a little bit of silver. And he goes, if you've got less than 500 ounces, we'll give you a dollar over spot. Sure. If you have 500 ounces, we'll give you a dollar and a half over spot. And he says, so if we're going to give you a dollar and a half over spot for your silver, then what makes you think we're going to sell you the silver to spot? <laughs> we're not in the business to lose money. Right. We don't make a whole lot of money percentage-wise, but at the same time, we're not here to lose money. Well, that's the goal, at least. Right. That's the goal, so. at least. Yeah, that is very true. Let's take a break here real quick. 20 minutes past the hour. Gold-silver markets. The fascinating conversation because it's uh, very so much and with such a short supply of it right now and everybody trying to go and get it. This is the place you need to. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. When we come back, we'll talk some more about that. We'll talk about some elections as well. We have some calls on the line. Trust me, we will break down the elections today. It happened on Tuesday. We will talk about the value them both bill. We will talk about the next step here in Kansas. Kansas making the national news again. And we'll cover it all right here on Kansas Talk. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Lots to get to this morning. Stay right here. It is 23 minutes past the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock hour. It's sometime like that. My times are all kinds of messed up this week. I was filling in for John Wright for the morning news on KQAM, so my 345 alarm clock was not friendly to me all week long. I am going home this weekend and not doing a whole lot. Recovering. There you go. Not used to that kind of time, Fred. It's, it's, I'm sure you're one of those guys that wakes up at like 5 a.m. wide awake, right? No? <laughs> all right. No. <laughs> no. All right. Goodness. Thank you. There's some here. Our uh, general manager, he uh, he gives me such a hard time. He sleeps like four hours of sleep a night, and then he wakes up ready to go. That's it. Just wide awake. People can do that. I don't know how you do it. Trump did it. Well, yeah. yeah. But see, that's a good thing. You know, if you're going to do that, at least be like a leader of a country where you're constantly doing something. You know, don't be, you know, driving me. I like my sleep. I need my eight to ten hours of sleep, and I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Got to get back in the shape. Welcome back into it. 316-721-8255. Hanging out with Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins right now. We're just talking about the mass amount of... I, I think that there is still a movement. While we have the cryptocurrencies and, you know, trying to stop on cash or on stocks or whatever, that at the end of the day, I think a lot of people are just going back to the basics and getting that tangible object that is like gold and silver, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's really crazy. I mean, I... I Nobody trusts the banks. Nobody trusts the government. No. I mean, they really don't. I hear. I mean, I hear it in the shop every day. I got money in the bank. I don't trust the bank. I don't trust the government. Sure. I mean, you're talking about this new poverty package or whatever they're trying to put together, and they're going to go in and start taking all these tax breaks away from the wealthy. You know, Trump come out years ago, way before he ever became president, and he goes, you know, I'll pay taxes up to a certain point and then right. when it becomes past this certain point i'm not prepared to give the government that much of my money and you know and i know that biden thinks he's smarter than i am and i'm not sure about that but if i was the rich i'd be leaving this country i'd be moving my money overseas and live in this country and put my money somewhere else yeah. you know the, the, a lot of the rich have look at france and Italy and all of the places that we all are, all, all our rich people are sitting over there because the taxes are cheaper. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to be smart to move over there because like Trump, Trump go down Mexico or wherever he wants, set up, set up residencies. He's a citizen. He can run business in this country, ship the money to Mexico and then pay the taxes back, pay the taxes to Mexico. Yeah. And when the rich quit paying taxes, now you poor people don't understand this, but when the rich people quit paying taxes, if you think the taxes you're paying now are bad, you wait till they double or triple. Because that's what's going to happen. Well, so here's the thing. So instead of them recorrecting and lowering the taxes to bring people back into the country and invest in the country, now they're trying to pass this minimum global tax on yeah. corporations, on individuals. So no matter where you try to put your money, Nate, globally, you're going to pay that minimum tax. And I love the fact that countries like Ireland and other places are like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Come on over here and we'll give you our 8% tax rate, not the minimum 15% tax rate that they want. Yeah, and they're talking about raising 15% yeah. and doing away with a lot of these big companies. You know, when the big companies technically, you got to understand the guys that are running these companies are rich. They're millionaires, yeah. billionaires. You know, so technically if they get to where it's not worth their time to run a business, they'll shut the business down. They don't need the money. If they never work another day in their life, they're, 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 okay. they're, they're yeah. And so that they shut the business down, they could care less about the two million, you know, the the hundreds of thousands of people are going to get laid off, and they're not going to have anything. And uh, unfortunately, it'll be the government's fault, and the government's going to blame it on big business. Yeah, it's it's never you know it's, it'll be the Republicans' fault because the Democrats never do anything wrong. Well, it's a constant blame game. I mean, we've talked about it many times before. Democrats love to play the blame game. They love to be the victim. Is that you know what we're going to create a problem? And then we're going to say that there is a problem and then come up with a solution and then blame the people that are just trying to go about their day. Yeah. And that's what they've always done. Yes. And the, the, the tactic wins and works every time because the evil oil companies are the ones driving the prices for gas higher. The ones that are, you know, the evil, the evil capitalists and the evil corporatists, they're the ones making all the money and not caring about anybody else. If they shut down their business, how many jobs would be lost across these nations? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you look, look at look at the Trump or the Biden administration. What do you do? He gave our oil reserves to China. Yeah. Now, his son was involved in this. How much money did the Bidens make on this deal? <laughs> and then turn around and go over and beg the Saudis to pump more oil to keep our prices down when all he's got to do is open our own pi pipelines. I mean, you got to be a, you got to be an idiot to wait the way he's running this country. 
Well, I think I may we have said some of you people, but that's the way uh, I believe. No, no. See, they're, they're they're probably applauding on their radio right now. For most of the listeners, at least, the other ones, we don't really care. I mean, you can get angry. <laughs> Call me in at 316-721-8255. Let me know how angry you are. Let the debate start. Just pushing the buttons. That's right. Trying to push the buttons first thing on a Saturday morning. No, you're right. It is unfortunate. But this is the reality that we live in, and yet we still survive, hopefully. And we need to open up the oil. We need to open up energy, get things back on track. And then actually be able to even get the gold and silver market back on track as well. We got about forty-five seconds. Yeah. But well, they're saying they're saying that they're, they're predicting in the next five years you'll see silver at six hundred dollars. Wow. Well, right now that nineteen dollars an ounce looks pretty good for me. Yeah. I'll start working on that one. It's Phil Coin. Phil's Coins ninety-three forty-four with Central Avenue. Those guys opening up here in town in just a few minutes until two thirty this afternoon. Also check them out online at philscoins.com. Phil, always good to talk to you, my friend. Good to see you. Take care. Be safe. And all you people out there, be blessed. Absolutely. When we come back right around the corner, we have some calls online. We'll try and get to you. We have Michael Austin, Kansas or Americans for Prosperity, the Kansas chapter. We'll talk with them about an event coming up this week. Speaking of oil and energy and gas prices, they have a fun event that you can partake in right here in the Wichita area. We'll do that when we come back right around the corner on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. It's time to tell him he's wrong at 316-721-TALK. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. I don't know what you're talking about. I am never wrong. Just ask my wife. Ha! Ah, ah, see? See what I did there? Welcome <laughs> welcome back into the show. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. By the way, speaking of Todd Starnes, you can hear his program from 2 to 4 right here on the KQAM Airwaves every day. Monday through Friday, and if you missed it, I was on the Todd Starnes program on Thursday. I was able to join him, talk about the election here in Kansas, talking about the abortion bill as well, so we appreciate him allowing me to come on the program and kind of talk about what's going on. It was great to chat with him on his broadcast. We'll get him back on this show here uh, just a little bit later as well. We have our guests online. Before we get to Austin, uh, Michael Austin, I want to just for a minute, we have a phone caller that's been on for a while. So let's take them real quick here at 316-721-8255. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Frederick. Frederick. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm going to make it short and sweet. Um, going back about, oh, five or so years ago, uh, I was an election poll worker, and I have worked approximately 12 elections, if not more. Sure. And I would like to say the performance that I witnessed this past Tuesday was far, far from uh, normal. Um, we had people in lines out into the parking lot, 45 deep out in the parking lot, wow. in the 100-degree weather. And according to the news, uh, two of them passed out. And there were actually ambulances called to two separate poll sites because of people passing out. And that is totally unacceptable. You just don't do that. Yeah, that now, was strange. It was wild to see. I, I And I don't know if it was because they were just ill-prepared for the turnout. I mean, when 50% of the registered voters come out for a primary like that, that's unheard of. So I don't know that they were prepared for this one. Well, the deal of it is we had a brand-new uh, election commissioner. Appoint, you know, the election commissioner in Sedgwick County does not work for the K- 
County. I don't right. know whether you knew that, but right. she or she works for the uh, Secretary of State, the Kansas Secretary of State. So we don't have any control over who runs our uh, election commission office here in Wichita. I don't know whether you realize that or not. Right. So, but 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 anyway, Andy. The the times that I worked, we accommodated people. We took care of people. And like we were in a church, okay, if we had too many people, we had contingency plans to just put them in the sanctuary, let them sit down in a seat, mm. and then bring them in a row at a time. Sure. But what I witnessed was— Not that. Uh, and, this, <laughs> and up there at Mays, Kansas, uh, where the election workers sent people home, okay, every poll side has a supervisor— and that supervisor should control everything. And another thing is that supervisor has a cell phone. Sure. And, and he can call the election commissioner's office and get legal advice in a matter of seconds. And I would just like to say that uh, I know they have the ability to do a wonderful job, but boy, now they should have known because of the hot subject that they should have had far more election places. Now, from my house to where I went to uh, vote, it was five miles, five miles away, Andy. Sure. I mean, we had to almost go clear across town to vote, and they had very few sites open for people to vote, and that falls directly on the management there in the election commissioner's office. And they failed. I, yeah, I know that, they have the ability to do it, but they failed Frederick County horribly. Sure. And I don't know what uh, what's going to happen uh, during the uh, major in in November, and we just can't have this again. I don't know who's going to have to step in and make certain that everything is going to be run right. But my gosh, Andy. Well, you yeah. Can, I, uh, you're right. You're right. And I'm going to talk some more about that. Now we're number two here. I, I appreciate it, Frederick. I need to get to our guest here. But you're right. I would say that we do have some work to do. I, Angela Cadillo, the Cedric County Election Commissioner now, I, I mean, I know her when I was on the board with the Cedric County Republican Party. She was on the board with me, and she's a wonderful individual. And this is her first election. So maybe it was just trying to work out the kinks in the system or try to understand it. Maybe they got overwhelmed because of the massive turnout for a primary when usually we get Anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of the electorate to turn out. This one was between 50 to 55 percent of the electorate turning out. That's a major change on what we expect for a primary. So I'm hoping that we can actually get this under control and we can fix a lot of it going into the election day in November, bring in some more poll workers, open up different locations, and make sure things run a heck of a lot better. So I appreciate that, Frederick. Call back in hour number two if you want. We'll uh, I want to conver- converse on that a little bit more and uh, and get that. But I appreciate that. Let's go to our guest right now, and this is kind of election stuff. So I'm going to play this. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Not really an election or a, the candidates, but at the same time, we are going into election season, and this is kind of the nice dig into the electorate with uh, the Biden administration in Washington, D.C., because I love 
absolutely love what they're doing. And last time we talked with this individual, he had yet to make the announcement that he was working on these projects, but now he is, and I am so happy that he is with this great organization from Americans for Prosperity. Excited to have Michael Austin back online with us here, an economist here in Kansas. Michael, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> right before, last time we had you on, it was right before you made your announcement that you'd be partnering and working with Americans for Prosperity. So congratulations. How'd that come about? Oh, it was uh, just a great opportunity. Um, obviously, AFP does does great work in, in reaching out to, to you know, free market folks, conservatives, grassroots, um, and giving them solutions to the obstacles that they face. And this special event that we have coming on falls right in line with that. Yeah, you guys have a fun one. Now, uh, to kind of preface this, the obviously energy and gas prices that we've seen all over the nation, the fact that it even went over $4 a gallon is absolutely absurd. And, Michael, we've talked about this a little bit, but can we honestly blame Russia and the Ukraine conflict for the price of gas going up to $4 a gallon here in Kansas? Uh, no, we can't. Uh, gas prices started rising not when Putin invaded Ukraine, as horrible as that is. It started rising as soon as Joe Biden took office. And that's the reason why um, Americans for Prosperity is working with jumpstart stores to bring relief to high gas prices. So listen to this. For 90 minutes, this is going to be at the jumpstart at 7th and uh, Broadway in Wichita. This Monday at 2 p.m., we will lower the price of unleaded gasoline to $2.38 a gallon. We want to show that Washington and coastal elites cannot solve the problems that we face. We, the people, are the solution. I love that. $2.38 gas for 90 minutes only. Is there a limit on how many cars can show up to this, or is it just kind of first come, first serve, and anybody for the next hour and a half? It is first come, first serve. All that we ask is you don't bring any gas cans um, okay. or you don't bring any RVs. Um, now, could I bring my tank and just tank. fill up that bad boy? I'm just going to bring the, uh, oh, the big tank and just load it up. <laughs> I think I might have to classify a tank as an RV for this case. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now, what's the significance of the $2.38? All right. Well, that was the national average of unleaded gasoline when Joe Biden took office. So even though it's uh, trending down, um, in some places, it's still nearly twice as high as where it was 18 months ago, which, of course, means that it is still difficult for families to make ends meet. So we want to highlight, you know, what gas prices were, you know, before we saw these Green New Deal climate change agenda policies ever being put into place. And not only that, we want to give you guys some relief as well. Yeah, I love it. So, again, for anybody that's that wants to partake, again, for an hour and a half, So, and I'm sure there's going to be a long line. We used to do this, uh, a radio station that I worked at out in, in Colorado. It's the, the call letters were 94.3. I'm actually wearing the shirt right now, the rock station. And they did 94-cent gas for an hour. And I tell you what, the lines across were blocks long with the individuals trying to get there. And I'm sure you guys are going to get the same thing with $2.38 gas on Monday, coming up just a couple of days from now, Monday, August 8th, from 2 to 3.30. Whoever can get in for that hour and a half time frame is going to be great. Uh, Michael, I got to ask you, with gas prices slowly dropping now, the barrels of oil back under $90 a barrel now, which I guess is somewhat good news. Are we on the downtrend or are things going to spike up again, do you think? 
Well, I do think we're on the downtrend, but it may not be for the right reasons. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, the uh, U.S. government officially reported we have entered a recession, right? Two straight quarters of, uh, of a shrinking GDP, of a shrinking economy. And unfortunately, um, that means, you know, both demand and supply suffers and prices like gasoline and oil can fall along with it. So while it most certainly is moving in the right direction, um, it also means that, you know, American families may not have as much income to really capitalize on that gas. So we're going to push it to $2.38 um, to give that additional kick, that additional relief to uh, Kansas and Wichita families, um, just to show that you don't have to trust uh, some one-size-fits-all plan from Joe Biden. Well, I mean, all you got to do is just get rid of the gas tax for a couple of days and it'll go down, right? Uh, it may, it may, uh, but you can also, uh, you know, unleash American energy, right? You can work with American businesses. And I think that would be more of a uh, longer term fix than, you know, any, you know, couple of days suspension of the gas tax. Yeah. We saw this during President Trump. We can do it now. Amen to that. I love it. It's Americans for Prosperity, which, speaking of, let's talk about the organization for a minute. This is obviously a great event. I can't wait. I'm going to try and make it out there, but it's going to be trying to fight the hordes and the masses to try and get in there and get that gas at $2.38. Americans for Prosperity, though, going into now election season, are you guys ready? Are you guys amped up for uh, November elections? We are. So we already have great things in place so that we can uh, knock on doors for, for uh, Kansans across the state and let them know about candidates that we think are promoting good policies. They are policy champions. They will advocate for limited uh, government and free markets. Uh, we have phone banks ready to go. We are so prepared. Um, we hope that we get a great turnout, of course, and, and a great showing in this November election. Yeah, I really think so. Are you optimistic about the legislative session for next year when it comes to budgetary tax-wise issues? I mean, if we, if we wipe it with Republicans and uh, get a Republican governor and get a Republican secretary of state, attorney general, we get all these necessary uh, uh, different positions. Do you think that we can actually get back on track with our state budget? You know, and I would say that it's less about uh, being Republican and it's more about being a limited government free market mm. policy champion. Yeah. Um, just because you have an R next to your name doesn't necessarily mean you'll promote good policies. So that's the reason why we, as a nonpartisan organization, want to find those great candidates, those great uh, incumbents, and make sure we put them up front. And then I think you're right. If we get those individuals um, into either the Kansas legislature or other offices, I think we would have a great opportunity to do some real reform and real relief for Kansans. Amen to that, man. I absolutely love it. You're right. It doesn't matter the party affiliation. We've seen Republicans sabotage us just as much as trying to help us. So one more time, remind individuals how, where, and when they can get your $2.38 gas. All right. August 8th, that is Monday at 2 p.m. This is going to be at the Jumpstart gas station at 7th and Broadway in uh, Wichita. We will lower the price of gas to $2.38 a gallon. First come, first serve. No gas cans or RVs or tanks, Andy. Um, <laughs> but we want to most certainly give you the relief that you deserve. 7th and Broadway. 2 p.m. this Monday. 2 p.m. until 3.30, so you got an hour and a half to fill up your gas, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Michael Austin, Kansas, for uh, Americans for Prosperity. Uh, Michael, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate it very much. You guys have fun. Hopefully we'll be out there and be able to cover some of this and see the long lines, but uh, I love what you guys are doing, and we got to talk again soon, brother. 
Let's do that. Hope to see you there, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure. That's right. That's Michael Austin there. Again, Americans for Prosperity, and you can check them out there with that 7th and Broadway on Monday at 2 p.m. Go get some gas, $2.38. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. All right, we appreciate that. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. We have our update with the AARP right around the corner. In hour number two, we have some calls. Hang on the line. I want to get to you when we come back here. We're going to talk about the elections. I want to get your thoughts on your voting experience. We'll talk about the value them both, Bill. We'll talk about some of these candidates and a heck of a lot more. So there's a lot to talk about with elections of 2022 here in the Wichita area. So don't go anywhere. Lines are lit up right now, too. So good. Hang tight. We'll get to you here in just a few minutes. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM. Stay right here. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on social media as well. We're talking with Mary this week. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Doing great. Always good to chat with you. Let's talk about it. It's hard to believe, but we are coming to the end of summertime, the beginning of fall time. School's about to start here shortly which is absolutely mind-blowing. But for those that may want to do a last-minute family trip or do something special before school starts uh, and go on a vacation, sounds great, but some things we need to be cautious of with some of those last-minute scams. That's right. You know, we're seeing school supplies in the stores and everybody's thinking about going to school, back to school, but maybe you can slip one more trip in there or maybe it's time for your summer vacation. But we want to make sure people are safe and and get a good deal on their vacation, but not a scam. So um, one of the things we know, criminal scammers, they create fake travel sites. They look just like the real thing. And of course, what attracts us most is they offer prices too good to pass up. And everybody wants a good deal. And everybody can talk themselves into a good deal. But we want to warn people that... that um, Travel scammers often create legitimate rental listings. They make it especially hard to tell the real from the fake. And you'll see these on your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your Twitter feed. And they look so good. Oh, my gosh, I had a last-minute vacation. They're just trying to close out the summer. They've got a great deal. I need to take advantage of this. Um, And they know how to get those fake websites to show up prominently in your internet search. So that's where you have to be very, very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about the signs that we should look out for. I mean, if they have a website, if they have these email links or, you know, these websites that look legitimate or these actual rentals, how can you spot the frauds from the realistic ones? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So first be careful where you shop. If you, if you aren't using a recognized or trusted travel website, you need to do your research to ensure that the company is reputable. So, you know, don't just click a link on, on, on Facebook or your social media, actually type in that website and, and go directly to their website. And and you'll be able to tell from there if it's, if it's trust or if it's reputable or not. Um, The second thing is be skeptical of any pitch that offers very steep discounts on travel and accommodations. You know, like I said, we all want a good deal. We're we're ready to talk ourselves. Oh, surely this is going to be a good deal. But really, it's always true. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. 
Yeah. And then the third thing is don't trust any vacation seller who asks you to pay outside of the online travel platform or app. So um, if you don't pay directly to the company itself, that's a sign. Don't don't go get a gift card to pay for it. Don't you know pay outside that trusted um, platform. And and so those are just three of the things. It's just really keep your guard up if you really want a good deal. Search it out for yourself. Don't let people feed it to you because when it comes into you, it's it's most likely going to be a scam. That's right. So if you do see the email come in, say that you can sleep in a castle for a dollar a night, it's probably not going to be a legitimate thing. <laughs> That's probably true. That is true. Uh, I know you've talked about this as well with some of the online and email scams and sort of thing as well. But uh, when it comes to those trying to pose as legitimate companies, usually they have little quirks in them as well. Like you said, with the, maybe the website not looking quite right or maybe a misspelling in the word that, where you have to really recognize it. I mean, there's just little things in there, isn't there? Exactly. You have to look very closely at, at what website they're feeding you. They will take words that look legitimate and maybe put a misspelling in there or, uh, you know, a dot something, something that's not quite right. So yeah, you just look very, very carefully at any link before you click on it. Sure. Absolutely. We got just about a minute left here, Mary, but talk about some of the other stuff that's going on with the AARP. You always have great webinars, great information as well, but what else can we find? Yeah, we have a great concert coming up next week with a Salina native named Dave Zerfus, and he's going to play us some cowboy tunes and talk about um, old-time songs. So um, that'll be a great concert. It's on our Facebook page on Friday, August the 12th at 6.30. Um, you can always catch it later if you miss it on, on that time. And then we have some other great webinars going on. We're talking about caregiving. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to be talking about frauds and scams, all kinds of things on our aarp.org slash KS events, and you can find it all there. Find all the information. It's aarp.org slash KS dot org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Make sure to follow on the social media as well with lots of great information there. Mary, it's always great to talk with you. I appreciate it. Let's do it again next week. All right. Thanks, Andy. Take care. There it is, AARP. We appreciate them. All right, right around the corner, we have lines lit up across the board. Don't go anywhere. Top of the hour break, right around the corner. It's open lines to you. We'll break down election season and a heck of a lot more right here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. It is six minutes past the 10 o'clock hour. Welcome into Kansas Talk. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Thanks for joining us today, a post-election Saturday, as we wrap up the midterm election, or the primary elections, not the midterms overall, but the midterm primaries here in Kansas. We have the election coming up in November that we're going to get to here over the next few weeks. We'll start getting candidates on. Now that we know the official Republican candidates across the state and even here locally, We'll start running through them pretty quickly. So get ready for that over the next couple of weeks. Welcome into the program. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK 
If you want to join in, we would love to hear from you. Lines are lit up across the board. We'll get to you here in just a second. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Real quick, let's get into just a rundown of the election numbers and then what happened on Tuesday. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Elections 2022. Let's start off. This is according to the official numbers from Cake News and the Associated Press until they are certified and official on the Secretary of State's website, which they are not as of yet. But according to Cake News, the main one that we'll get to here and focus a lot of time on today, the ballot measure, the constitutional amendment for the abortion issue, the value them both bill. Shot down on Tuesday, 59 to 41 by 543,000 votes to 378. Kind of an interesting number there. We'll touch on that a little bit. Laura Kelly, which I got to say was surprised, not really surprised. I mean, she got her nomination. That's not surprising. But the amount of Democrats that came out to vote for her was a bit of a shocker, sitting at 93% of her vote. Derek Schmidt, unsurprisingly, uh, locked in his nomination for the Republican race for the gubernatorial uh, election at 80 to 20 on that race. Scott Schwab wins for re-election, at least for the nomination of the Republicans in the Secretary of State's office, 55 to 44. The big one, Chris Kobach, ends up winning the nomination for the Attorney General's race. Are you ready for that one? Sitting 42% of the vote, Kelly Warren coming in second at 38%. Tony Mativi at 19%, rounding out third in that one. Jerry Moran for the U.S. Senate race, not surprising there as he takes an 80-20 run over Joanne Farr. On the Democrat side, however, there were six Democrat candidates in this U.S. Senate race, and Mark Holland takes away that nomination at 38% of that vote, squaring up against Jerry Moran in that election. One that has not officially been called yet is the last statewide big race, and that was for state treasurer. We had both candidates on the election uh, the day right before the election, or the Saturday prior to, where there is a 370-vote difference right now between Stephen Johnson and and Karen Tyson at 215,875 to 215,500 with 98.6% of that vote reporting in and them still going through to make sure that everything is locked in. Also do want a couple of shout outs with Joe Seiwert, District 101 state representative, one of the few uh, primary elections that we had in the Cedric County area here, ends up winning his nomination. Not a big surprise there, but congratulations, Joe. We love having him. He's a great guy. We've had him on the program many times before. Also, uh, Rebecca Schmoy, we've had her on the show many times before as well from One Million Moms Against Gun Control and some of the Second Amendment issues. She won her primary as well with near 60% of the vote. So congratulations, Rebecca. That's fantastic. And we'll get you on uh, the program again going into the general election. Now, let's talk about the big issue here. The value them both bill that got shot down 59 to 41. And I open up the calls to you to ask, is this legitimate? Not not like in a voter fraud sense, but is this really what the Kansan voters want? Is this really what the, what the people of Kansas wanted was zero restrictions on abortion? Now, that's not how it was campaigned. That's not how they portrayed it. But that's what's going to happen. And we tried to rail on this going into the last few weeks of the election to let people know. And even while talking to Kansans for Life, even while talking about these uh, this issue and what the ballot actually meant, we still would get calls about what does the yes vote mean, what does the no vote mean, with confusion because of the campaign ads. Because the no people that wanted to vote no on this issue 
stole a pro-liberty, pro-freedom, pro-constitutional side of the argument and campaigned very, very well, saying that voting no would keep things as the status quo, where voting yes would be a complete ban on abortion, would completely abuse the system, and would take things to the extreme. And if you just vote no, then we would have basic limitations on constant, on, on abortion. And we know that's not the case. And I reiterate that the Kansas Supreme Court decision back in 2019 said that abortion was a constitutional right. And therefore, because this was upheld that it is a constitutional right to have an abortion, the other side of the aisle is now going to be challenging every limitation, every restriction, in every regulation on abortion as an unconstitutional infringement upon it, as we try to do with the Second Amendment, for example, when they try to ban uh, bump stocks. No, we have a constitutional right to have a firearm and the firearm accessories. When they try to ban assault rifles, no, we have a constitutional right and protection to have a firearm because it shall not be infringed, period, end of story, and we advocate for a pro-Second Amendment initiative. They are going to use that same tactic now by taking everything to court, by limiting uh, abortions after the first trimester, by saying that if you get pregnant as a minor under the age of 18, that you don't need parental consent to go, by the funding by state government or federal government or certain grants or taxpayer money funding abortion clinics. All of these limitations and regulations that we had on them will now be challenged by saying it is a constitutionally protected right to have an abortion and therefore these infringements upon this shall not be infringed and we need to get rid of them. Saying that we're essentially going to go down the road of what Virginia had essentially done by saying you could be in labor in your ninth month and say, you know what, I don't know that I want this child, let's go ahead and set it aside while we have a conversation of what to do next. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that that is now the potential because of this ruling that we shot down. But we didn't understand it that way. We didn't get it that way because they again said that if you vote no, that just the basic censorship and the basic limitations would be in place because the yes vote would be a complete ban on abortion. And I know many that I know, even on the conservative Republican side, including members of my family, that say, you know, wait a second, there needs to be conversation about certain circumstances. And no one's arguing that. No one's arguing about specific circumstances. No one's arguing about certain situations. No one's talking about contraceptives. No one's trying to ban contraceptives. That's a stupid argument if that's what they're trying to make. They use this argument about mask mandates and how it's going to be another mandate imposed upon you. They tried to say that just like the Texas woman that said that she had a dead baby inside her for two weeks because she was afraid to go to the hospital because she didn't think she was allowed to go, that that's what's going to happen here in Kansas if you vote yes. And all of it was a bunch of crap. Andy, how do you know that Republicans were uh, swayed differently? I want to throw the numbers out there for you. The voter turnout in Sedgwick County, or I'm sorry, this is for statewide, there were a total of, just for the governor's race, I want to use that as the example, for the governor's race on each side, there were 451,000 Republicans that voted for the two candidates, Derek Schmidt and the other guy, in total. Total Republican voter turnout for the governor's race, 451,000 votes for the governor. You know how many yes votes were on the value of them both, Bill? 374,000. That's a difference of 76,000 votes between the number of Republicans, specifically Republicans alone, that turned out for the Republican governor's race in the primary and those that voted yes. Now, either 
That means that 76,000 Republicans want complete, open-ended, unrestricted abortion in the state of Kansas, or they didn't know what the hell they were voting for. Because I can guarantee you that there were not people that went there to vote for the primaries that did not just not vote on that initiative because everybody was talking about that initiative. But you're going to tell me there's a 76,000 difference between Republicans, it turned out, in the Republican primary that didn't vote on this value than both? I find that hard to believe. So either they want open-ended abortions with no restrictions in this state, or they didn't understand what they were voting for. Are we also saying that the independents, because there was roughly 20% of the independent vote that turned out this election as well, the unaffiliated voters, that all voted no, every single one of them? That there was not a single libertarian, a single third party, a single independent-minded individual that didn't vote yes for this initiative? Doesn't make any sense. Now, again, I'm not saying voter fraud here in any way, shape, or form. What I am saying is that the other side, with their, their tactics of anarchy and absurdity and chaos, they confused voters to not understand what they were actually voting for, thinking that voting no was the best way just to keep things as is here in Kansas. And that's just not the case. I want to get your thoughts on this. Am I right? Am I wrong? Are we taking it too far? Are we looking too deep into this? And what do we do moving forward? Because we have to do it again, but it's going to be a tougher time, a second time around, to get this initiative in the Kansas Constitution. Let's go to the phones. 316-721-8255. You guys have been waiting very patiently with lines lit up all across the board here. And let's keep it short as I wanted to try and get as many in as we possibly can. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. I want you to know that you are right when you talk about anarchists. I infiltrated one of their pro no campaigns dressed as a she he wannabe, and uh, the individual that was speaking was a professional community organizer, and I'm sure they were spread throughout the crowd to can gin up all the support. They didn't talk about life. They talked about LGBTQ+. plus. They talked about the sainthood of George Floyd and the need for Black Lives Matter. They talked about the need to uh, increase EPA regulations. They claimed that anyone that supported Donald Trump was a fascist. This is what Marxists do. This is what the anarchists do. So it's the same people that went into Ferguson and destroyed the black community or the same people that went into Seattle and uh, tried to get their own territory in there. It's the people that want to overthrow our government. And uh, so, and a Topeka Cap Journal actually came out recently with an article saying that they call it a coalition of people that are going to be very engaged. They're going to stay engaged through the general. So this, we're not done here. Yeah. They are out to, you know, literally attack. And another thing about abortion that really appalls me is the fact that they're always bringing up the 10-year-old that gets pregnant that should have an abortion. And these same people are not the ones that stand against pedophilia and the uncle or the uh, relative that brings that little 10-year-old into an abortion clinic and gets the abortion done so they can you know, continue with uh, abusing her, raping her. And no, it's, their own crime is not exposed. I've never seen them really promote prosecution for individuals who abuse young girls and get them pregnant. And also, I just want to ask, yeah. LGBTQ 
QR. What, what, these people that are so right now, so anti, um, you know, life, so pro-abortion, the LGBTQ community, it stands to reason for me that they don't get pregnant, right, <laughs> under their... So how? Why is this? Unless it's so a man. Unless it's a man that yeah. got pregnant, according to them. That's. <laughs> then, then <laughs> yeah. You're right. No, you're, that's interesting. Now you said you went to one of these. So the what they were speaking of of all these issues, the LGBTQ, the Black Lives Matter, Donald Trump's an evil racist Nazi. Right. That was yeah. at a rally of the vote no. I mean, that's I don't right. even understand what that stuff has to do with the vote no issue on abortion. That's interesting. Well, and see, that's just it. That's how they gathered up their coalition. By, and it's, it's actually Saul Alinsky's tactic of um, how rules for radicals, how to win o- overthrowing a government by getting all the people that are disenfranchised, all the people that are discontented together, and don't name one particular cause for them to stand up. Just get them to all stand up together to create anarchy. And that's how they've been so successful across the United States right now. That's their tactic. And unless we understand it and understand that now... Kansas is targeted by them, just as they did in Colorado and overtook Colorado and went. It went from red to blue in one election cycle. Yeah, that's what I think is happening in Kansas. They, if we don't find a way to thwart it, I, I, you know what, I completely agree, and I appreciate that very much. You're right. I mean, they used Kansas as the example. Uh, in this election, we, they reversed Roe v. Wade, which was a good sign, but then they wanted that to be a national platform issue to boost Democrats' poll numbers into the general election. And with this being the first vote in the nation after Roe v. Wade, they wanted to set the example by causing the chaos in Kansas, and they put a big target on our back, and we weren't prepared for it. I, and that's right, and that's why I, I want to make sure people understand they're not done yet in Kansas. If we don't prepare for the general election, if we don't understand their tactics, and Sun Tzu said, know the enemy, know yourself. You know, how are we going to support it? We need to have our elected officials really understand what they're up against in this election. Because yeah. truth does not matter to them. And they've proved that over and over again. Amen to that. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate that very much. And keep up the fight on your end and let people know about this. We need to let them know because you're right. I mean, we are under attack right now in Kansas with these anarchists and these socialists and these crazy Sololinskyites. And they're not done going into the general. And we need to let the nation know as well that Kansas did not support open-ended abortions because that's what they're using on that national platform. And Republicans are starting to cower. We're seeing candidates all over the nation right now that are starting to waver on their social stances and social issues because now they think that abortion and trying to limit abortion is an unpopular thing because we just saw a red state in the heartland of the country, vote for open-ended abortions, and that's what they think the movement is. We need to let them know. I was on Todd Starn's show just this last week that he's got, what, 150, 120, 130 radio stations around. We're trying to get the message out that, hey, don't take what happened in Kansas as the mindset of what's going on nationwide because that's not the case. So thank you so much for the call. I appreciate that very much. I am way late on a break, so uh, other callers, hang on here. Don't hang up. We'll get to you as soon as we come back. We'll take some more calls when we come up right around the corner here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. It's an issue that I'm not going to let go of. We need to let them know. Is it the end-all, be-all? No, we're going to fix it. We're going to take care of it. We're going to make it right. But we need to know what happened. We need to be aware of what happened. And like you just mentioned, we need to understand the chaos and bringing in the national chaos makers to try and disrupt the Kansas system just for their national platform. This wasn't just the take advantage of a crisis, never let a crisis go to waste. No, they created this crisis for a political agenda 
and they brought their dirtiness of the swamp of D.C. into Kansas, and we just saw the reper- repercussions of that. Lots more coming up. Stay here. All right, 26 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Bottom of the hour, we have Warren Martin, Kansas Strong. We'll talk about energy. We'll talk about gas prices, the oil energy here in Kansas uh, nationwide and abroad. What's the latest going on with Russia and the Ukraine and more? Very fascinating conversation. Looking forward to playing that one here in just a minute. But let's go right back to the phones here, shall we? At 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Did you go and vote? What was your voting experience And did you think, do you think that these numbers are accurate with this value them both? Does the vast majority, and specifically, uh, what was the official number, 59% of the Kansas population think that we need open-ended abortion here in the state of Kansas? I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think it's that chaos that confused individuals going into the polls. Line number two, good morning, who's this? Hey, Andy, Sean here. Sean, what's happening, sir? How we doing? Well not been a very good two weeks but let me get to the point of the matter um i'm disappointed that the measure failed yes i'm also embarrassed as a kansan that everybody from hollywood to uncle joe is celebrating this madness yeah but the very next day i heard todd starnes say why this measure went down like it did to defeat that's because the kansas republican party tried to tell uh Kansas for life, that now was a bad time to propose that amendment because the measure would fail because it's too soon after the U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Yeah. Okay? And then apparently, Kansas for life didn't listen to him and told him instead, if you don't support the measure, then we're not going to support you in the midterm. We're not going to vote for you in the midterm. So apparently the Republicans said, okay, have it your way. And then uh, the measure goes down in flames in a humiliating fashion at that. So uh, if this is true, what Todd Starnes says. Well, to to a degree, to a degree, yes. So what happened was, I mean, the, the problem was, was that the Supreme Court reversal of Roe v. Wade happened in June. Everything was already in motion. They had planned for over a year, year and a half, to put this thing on the ballot in uh, for this August. So there wasn't much that they could do. It, it was already a year and a half in. They started campaigning in November of last year. There was no way they could pull it off of the ballot by that or by that soon, by the end of June, when the Supreme Court nationally ended up reversing Roe v. Wade. So, yeah, it was a bad time because uh, because the Democrats saw that. They lost their mind. That was the number one focus for them on their social issues. They wanted to turn that around and make it a big deal. And Kansas all of a sudden already had something in motion to vote on. So we became the target of their anarchists and their crazy socialists to try and make sure that the first thing that was voted on after reversal of Roe v. Wade wasn't to put limitations on abortion because they wanted to make that point that people love their abortions across the nation. So it was it was bad timing. But it wasn't anything we could do about it because the, 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 the car was already in motion a year and a half ago, and we couldn't reverse it by then. Well, when did the, when did the Republicans tell, tell them that it was a bad time? Uh, well, it was. A, I mean, it, it, they did come out and say after the reversal of Roe v. Wade at that time, yeah, you know what, this is not going to be the best time for it. Uh, maybe we should try and push it to the general election or something. But 
the campaigns were already done. The the the, the yard well, signs well, were already out there. Everything was done. There's nothing we could do. What was the big rush? Why couldn't they wait? Uh, well, I mean, so. I mean, I guess we could push it back, but I mean, you'd have to redo all. You'd wasted a lot of money already with the campaign that started back in again January, trying to make this thing happen. I get it. I mean, we could have pushed it back. Maybe it would have been a good idea to push back. I just don't know that it was possible. I don't know that it was possible even for the general election. Sean, I appreciate. It. I got a hard break here. Um, let's converse that when we come back a little bit more because that's interesting. Trying to push that back more. Yeah, the Republicans didn't want to do it then. Yeah, the Democrats were already riled up. I just don't know that they could have been able to push it back. Wichita's number one in talk radio. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into it on the home stretch here, last half hour of the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Sean, you bring up an interesting point on wanting to delay the value them both bill. We're going to talk to some legislators about that over the next few weeks going into the general election. We'll pick their brain as well on was it a good idea to vote at that time. Again, I don't think it could have been changed because the campaign was already in motion a year to two years ahead of that. And then when the Supreme Court came down, yeah, obviously it riled up the other side of the aisle to where that was front and center for them. And we needed to turn out. Now, that shouldn't matter, though, at the end of the day. Because Republicans should be just as emotional and riled up about things, too, and passionate about these issues to want to show up and turn out. And guess what? We did turn out with a near 50 percent of the constituents and registered Republicans in the state of Kansas. Should have been more. But we did turn out and we turned out more than Democrats. Just to give you the numbers here real quickly, again, Republican turnout for governor's race was 451,000. You know how many Democrats voted for their governor's race? 276,000. We doubled them almost doubled the amount of Democrats it turned out, and we still couldn't win. So I don't think it was an issue of the passion from the right side. I think it was the lack of understanding of what the bills actually were. But that's a good question. Could we have delayed it? I think that there are lawsuits right now challenging some of the restrictions, which is why they wanted it on there. They wanted a primary because obviously Republicans turn out in droves more so than Democrats because there are more Republicans than Democrats. Uh, So that's interesting, though. But it shouldn't matter. We should still be able to beat them based on our values just in general. But I appreciate that, Sean. We're going to look deeper into that and see maybe there's something we could do and what could have been done better on that front. All right, with that, I want to shift gears a little bit. We sat down with a great guy the last uh, over the last couple of days, and we've chatted with him before on the program as we talk about high gas prices. We talk about energy, natural gas, coal, oil and what we could do domestically here even in the state of kansas specifically with the organization kansas strong which we'll talk about here in just a minute but are we on the uptrend are we going to see high gas prices for a while what the heck is ukraine and russia doing with the uh, oil industry and where are we going from here we sat down with warren martin with kansas strong just a couple of days ago and this is what he had to say warren how are you my friend oh it's great to be with you andy it's great to be on the show and look forward to having a conversation with you yeah i am excited i really enjoyed our conversation last time and there's a lot obviously to talk about in the oil and gas industry and just energy as a whole right now but right now i mean we're seeing I guess gas dropped a little bit. We're down mm-hmm. what now that three ninety, almost four dollar mm-hmm. gallon right now, which was a big shock when people hit that four dollars a gallon. Is this going to be around for a while? Or are we going to start th- seeing things go down a little bit? Well, that that's a hard thing to answer because a lot of the things that have influenced gas prices going up have been unprecedented. There, you know, normally gas prices work on supply and demand. 
but there's really five different issues that have culminated all at the same time to get gas prices where they are today. And most of those have nothing to do with supply and demand directly. They're more artificial imp, uh, impacts that are on the gas prices that have really got them going. Sure. And so if you if you don't mind, I'll go back and kind of go through the five steps that got us to where we are today, Please. if that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Talk so, about it. you know, to really understand where gas prices are today, we have to go back to when we were in lockdown, when COVID was really going on. Supply plummeted. And when supply plummeted, you know, gas prices over two years ago, they uh, oil prices went to minus $37 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Here in Kansas, Kansas oil went to less than a dollar a barrel. Wow. And and so it, it, when it dropped that low, I, I, I didn't know it could drop, drop that low, but <laughs> when it dropped that low, you know, a lot of oil companies had to really downsize. They consolidated. Someone went bankrupt. Uh, mm. All of them had to lay off employees. Um, just like everybody else in the, in the pandemic, people were laying off people all over the place. People weren't working. And so that's really where gas prices began because that demand went so low that everyone laid off stuff. Then the demand started coming back. People started coming out of that pandemic. Um, and I'll go back to that minus $37 barrel because one of the things you're hearing right now is you hear people saying, you know, gas prices are high as they are because oil companies are gouging. Evil oil companies. Evil yeah. oil companies are gouging people. And, you know, being accused of fixing the prices no one was accusing the oil companies of fixing the prices when it was minus 37 dollars a barrel right if oil companies had any say whatsoever on the price they would never let it go to minus 37 dollars a barrel exactly. and so it really there's so many things that go into that but as as demand began coming back um, you then had oil companies that had to go out and rehire people. They, they had, and they're just like everybody else. Labor shortages are impacting airliners right now. I just got back from Spain. We had delay after delay after delay because they couldn't put teams together. They couldn't put their staffs together to fly planes. Sure. And those same labor shortages are at restaurants. They're really big in the oil industry right now. It's a highly technical industry great jobs and it's hard to refill those positions right now i don't know of a single oil company in the state that's not looking to hire employees service companies drilling companies they're all looking to hire so as demand began coming back uh, oil companies were a little bit slower in being able to respond because they had to hire these people back and we're still trying to hire those people back so gas prices began to accelerate because demand began to out uh outpace supply sure then you had uh, Joe Biden and President Biden comes in and President Biden of day one after talking in his debates about how he's going to shut down the oil industry, how he's going to close down the oil industry. Day one of his administration, the very first thing he did, cancels the XL Keystone pipeline, uh, stops uh, any further production on, on public lands. Now, neither one of those impacted supply or demand. Neither one of them. But what it did do is it forecast to futures buyers, people who buy gas on the futures markets, it indicated to them that there's going to be less production in the future, so they made higher bets on gas prices right then, so gas prices began to accelerate rapidly. Sure. And that's really what it was, a speculation on where oil is going to be six months from now, seven months from now, eight months from now. And, and so gas prices began to go up. Then you had Russia. 
And you had Russia-Ukraine invasion that took place. That took some oil off of the market. It put some oil on the black market. Oil on the black market trades higher than oil on the regular market, which raises oil on the market. I didn't so, even know there was a black market for oil. Well, when I say black market, what I mean is, you know, we put sanctions on Russia, and then Russia goes around those sanctions and sells to nations that will buy from them in <laughs> spite right. of those sanctions. And so that's what I mean by black market is it's not the American free trade market. It's not the free market, sure. uh, global free market. It's uh, select markets, and that raises the price of oil all the way all the way around. And so that began to escalate on top of all those other things that are happening. And then the final, kind of the fifth nugget in that is China. China was in full lockdown. You really didn't see the Russia spike primarily because China, which is the second leading uh, consumer of transportation fuel, they were in full lockdown. Mm. And so the Russian impact didn't hit until China began coming out of that lockdown. And then that's when uh, gas prices hit their all-time high is when China came out of that that lockdown. Now we're getting to a more stable area where it's getting back more towards supply and demand. But the, as the prices are, have already escalated, to where they are right now and she you've seen a 30 40 cent drop in the price of gasoline in recent weeks um and i think that you know unless something dramatic happens it's going to stay there now if china goes back into a lockdown it's going to drop if sure. russia uh you know and ukraine come to some kind of an agreement that agreement is going to involve bringing their oil back onto the market mm -hmm. and russia even though they haven't been able to sell as much oil they've been pumping it and they've been filling tankers and pipelines and tanks and anything they can. So when if they come back and come to some kind of agreement, then oil prices are going to plummet because all that oil is going to surge back on the market. So those are some of the things that really you can't predict uh, what's going to happen there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a lot of different factors here. Let's break down some of these uh, first and foremost. First off, you mentioned a lot of the oil industry where we had to lay individuals off. We had to kind of downsize, consolidate. Mm -hmm. Because of the COVID pandemic, people weren't driving. And that negative $37 a barrel, that's a hard hit for businesses when you have to pay to kind of actually, actually sell yeah. your product, which is absolutely insane. We haven't had the ability to rebuild that industry because, like you mentioned, when the Biden mm -hmm. administration came in and went all for the alternative energies and demonized the oil industry and, pre and created a lot of that red tape, that's made it, I'm guessing, harder for them to try and rebound even after the COVID-19 pandemic. While things are starting to get stable and we have the demand again, the supply is going downward. Now we have the Biden administration that's re that's uh, releasing the oil reserves mm -hmm. in the markets where they say they're releasing a, a million barrels what a, a, a day, trying mm -hmm. to release some of that stuff, right. depleting that. But we're not replenishing it, nor is he giving the opportunity to replenish it yeah. right now, is he? No, and, and and the reason that the supply is lagging is one of jobs. That's the biggest thing is jobs. Yeah. But part of going into jobs is you have to be able to pay employees, which brings you to the second component that's really hard for oil companies to be able to recover from, and that's getting funding. And it's increasingly difficult for oil companies to be able to go out and get the funding that they need to do the exploration, to do the production, to put the leasing uh, leases together. Uh, it's increasingly difficult to do that because you have institutions with ESG uh, on the market, environmental, social, and governance uh, regulations that financial companies are voluntarily taking on themselves because they're they're hedging their bets on where the administrations can go in the future. They don't really want oil companies on their roles uh, because they don't meet the ESG standards. They're right. not on the environmental side. Um, 
And so that makes it increasingly difficult for oil companies to be able to get the funding that they need. So really you're talking about jobs and you're talking about funding for oil companies to be able to expand and be able to get back to where they were pre-pandemic levels. In spite of that, we are continually moving back towards that goal. Uh, Kansas continues, if you look at uh, 2020 to 2021, now to 2022, oil production is continuing to grow from those pandemic lows. Uh, We're not back to where we were pre-pandemic, but we're moving in that direction in spite of all the hurdles that we have in front of us. Sure. Now let's look forward uh, ahead in advance a little bit here, depending on what happens with the markets when prices do drop again, whether it's uh, Russia and Ukraine coming to a deal and just flooding the market with that kind of stuff, whether it's China going into a lockdown and that demand again goes downward again, is that going to make it more difficult for energy companies to hire and try and get people back into the market and the workforce to try and actually start drilling again if the barrel of price, the prices per barrel of oil drop again like that? Well, it depends on how far they drop. And that's always the that's always the key. You know, the oil industry is a boom and bust economy. You know, it, it gets a little scary when oil gets above $100 a barrel because, yes, oil companies do well when the oil's above $100 a barrel. But in in you know, but right now they're having to pay off some of the uh, some of the debt, some of the loans that they took out during that pandemic to be able to make it through that period. They're having to pay off a lot of that. Then they're also putting together, you know, for those low times, uh, they have to have a nest egg that they can rely on if it goes back down. But, uh, you know, if oil stays above uh, $45, $50 a barrel, uh, especially if it stays right around $70 a barrel, which is way down from where we are right now, um, you know, oil companies will have the money they need to be able to expand, to be able to explore, to be able to move forward. And so uh, oil companies will do just fine if the barrel, if the price of per barrel drops down, especially around that $70 mark. And if it drops down around there, you know, we're going to continue developing and we're going to continue producing and we're going to continue growing. Sure. Uh, We're hearing about the energy crisis going on in Europe right now because a lot of that came from Russia. They're not able to buy from stuff right there. If uh, I mean, what factors need to happen for them to get back on track and actually have sustainable energy again? Is it the Russia-Ukrainian deal that needs to happen to flood the market like that? Or are there alternatives for them as well to try and actually find different sources of oil and energy so that way they're not running into blackouts and brownouts like they're seeing right now well uh, you know uh, i've always believed that life's a two-for-one deal for every choice you get a free consequence (laughs) and in europe uh, they're dealing with the consequence of the choices they've made you know a lot of those european nations made huge huge investments uh, in uh, in uh, alternative and renewable sources of energy, and they not only div- div- they didn't diversify, they divested yep. from the oil and gas industry, which has put them in the position that they're in right now. And so, yes, they have the opportunity, they have the ability to uh, bring back on, which many of them are starting to do. They're bringing back on oil and gas and coal and and other sources of energies that they have walked away from in recent decades because what that did was is it put them right in the grip of Russia. Yeah. Is that a concern of what we're going to see here in the U.S.? It could be. I mean, we as the United States have a choice of what we want to what we want to do and where we want to go in the future. I mean, if you look at, uh, I was uh, reading a study that was came out uh, the other day. If we wanted to replace all of the energy that we get from fossil fuels right now in the United States, and we want to replace that with wind, we would have to cover one third 
of the acreage of the United <laughs> States in windmills. One third. Wow. And and so you, you know it's in and another part of that was is that by the year 2050, the Energy Information Administration, which is the government organization that oversees and and, and looks at the energy issues. They predict by the year 2050, we're going to need 28% more energy than we currently have today. 28%. Wow. So really, while everybody's out there talking about energy transition, we should be talking about our energy future. Because the question is not, are we going to transform from this source of energy to this source of energy? Right now, we're already talking about rolling blackouts. We're talking about brownouts. We're talking about energy conservation to avoid those things. The real question is, how in the world are we going to produce 28% more energy by the year 2050 than we are right now? It's not about transition. It's about how in the world are we going to find that amount of energy? Be able to maintain and grow. I mean, that's the big scary part right now. We saw just, what, two years ago, we saw the extreme cold that hit the Mid-America region here to where we saw some brownouts in areas trying to conserve energy. Texas especially went into crazy brownouts and blackouts with their grid that they had. Now we're seeing the extreme heat with triple digits uh, in uh, a large part of the Mid-America region here where we're straining the grid as well. This push for alternative energies drives me nuts because we already can't sustain what we're doing and then try to plug everybody into an electric vehicle and trying to strain the electric grid. And like you said, transition from even the natural gas and coal that we have into these alternatives nothing would be sustainable and we'd be in a really bad situation yeah and and i think the biggest thing is is we're deceiving ourselves we're deceiving the with the, the news media and the pushes and the trans you know this whole idea behind this transition we're deceiving ourselves yeah. you know i go into a classroom and kids today are absolutely convinced when they get out of high school when they get that everybody's going to be driving an electric vehicle <laughs> i mean just like when i was in school i was convinced that when i got out of high school i was going to be flying around in a hovercraft like the jetsons sure i mean that's i was convinced of that yep. because that's what we saw everywhere that's what we heard but the eia which i referenced a while ago they also came out in their report and they said that by the year 2035 uh when many people think right now many the average american public believes everything is going to be electric by the year 2035 only 13 percent of vehicles on the road are going to be electric sure. only 13 percent wow. but here's the kicker they also predict at that point there will be more internal combustion engines gasoline engines on the road than there are now Again, it's not about transitioning. We're putting more vehicles on the road. Yeah. Uh, we're growing. We're expanding. And 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 the reality is is you know we have to we have to make those investments in the infrastructure to be able to provide that energy. What happened in Texas really happened because again they diversified. They put so much into solar, wind, and these other renewable resources. They didn't put it into the infrastructure for natural gas, especially natural gas storage. Sure. And because we didn't have enough supply on. Uh, in storage to be able to handle that crisis, that's what put the entire region into these extremely high natural gas prices that we're experiencing now because we still haven't recovered from that lack of storage. And so really we need to be making investments in all forms of energy. Solar's here, wind's here, it's not going anywhere. We're going to need every source of energy we can possibly get. We just want everybody playing on an even playing field, but we have to make those investments in our coal, our nuclear, our our natural gas, our oil, because they're a part of our power system as well. Amen. I'm glad you mentioned I wanted to ask you, what kind of future does nuclear have because no one talks about that much anymore the other side of the aisle politically hates it because they think it's just going to be the next atomic bomb sort of thing Uh, but i mean countries like france i mean 60 to 80 percent of their energy is made by nuclear is that a future right now 
Uh, right now, politically, no, it's not a future. Uh, 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 you know, when you look at the physics of it, when you look at the practicality of it, it should be. It should be. Uh, yeah. It should be part of our future. <laughs> but the reality is, is most people are scared to death. Why are they scared to death? Well, they're scared to death because of one thing. If you look at oil refineries, the last oil refinery that we built, fully functioning oil refinery that we built, we built in the 1970s. Wow. We haven't built a new one since the 1970s. The last uh, nuclear uh, uh, site that we built, nuclear electricity generation site that we built, we built in the 70s. Wow. Our technology has come so far from the 70s. And nuclear is and can be one of the safest forms of energy uh, going forward, but it's a political uh, time bomb um, that it's really the political side of it that 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 is scary. Right. Um, the actual physics behind it is really safe. And like I say, we should be exploring all forms of energy because we need 28% more of it. Amen to that. Yeah, it's Warren Martin. It is Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com. Uh, last couple of minutes here for you. But it sounds like overall you're optimistic that we're going to see gas prices drop here soon, depending on what happens with some of the current events. But something's going to break soon, whether it is a shutdown in China, whether it is the deal with Russia and the Ukraine, like you said, with Russia that's just stockpiling this stuff. Uh, it is going to be good that we're going to see prices go down when they flood the market. The bad news is we're still now dependent on their energy source instead of actually focusing on rebuilding ours mm -hmm. and replenishing our oil reserves, which sounds like it may take some time. But at least gas prices may be going down soon. Yeah, and I, I think you're what the, the supply is beginning to catch up with that demand, and that's what you're seeing, that 30, 40 cent drop. That's And, and as long as that continues, even if nothing happens in Russia, even in Russia, Ukraine, if nothing happens in China and everything stays where it's at right now, you're going to see gas prices are continue to slowly drop back down because supply in the United States is beginning to come back up. Mm -hmm. Oil companies, I mean, when you got prices, uh, uh, crude oil barrel prices at almost $100 a barrel, oil companies are doing everything they can to get as much production in the line as they possibly can. So they're all growing. They're all expanding. They're limited in what they're able to do by the jobs and by the finances, but they're continuing to do it anyway. And so you'll see a gradual slowdown in the price of gasoline to where you know it's a little bit more moderated but it would take something pretty major for it to drop significantly in the short term that is good news because the conspiracy theorists that i hear about every once in a while is that we're going to see 20 dollars gallons of gas here by the end of the year well, I, I don't I don't know what you're listening to, but I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I, I sure hope I'm wrong as well. It's CandaceStrong.com. CandaceStrong.com. Again, if anybody wants more information on you guys, where are you guys around the state, and uh, how can people reach out to you guys? Best way to reach out to us is through our website, CandaceStrong.com. Um, it's the best way to get to us. We are everywhere in the state. Uh, I was in Great Bend yesterday doing a program for the summer uh, reading program, their library program up there. Uh, but we go all over the state. I leave from here, go to Colorado, and speaking at a conference in Colorado um, and, and but we go anywhere and everywhere to talk to people about the oil and gas industry because our passion our goal is to help people understand the issues that are behind um, our energy sure. the issues that are behind our industry so that when they decide as a public as we decide as a public as American people what we want for our energy future we have a more comprehensive view of exactly what it is we're deciding on yeah I love it and people need to know this information because they don't understand the industry which is why we get the 
evil oil companies and demonizing them and how they're the ones that are just trying to, you know, take advantage of the consumer. And that's just not the case in any way, shape or form. Warren, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate all the time you always give us. we got to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. There again, I was again Warren Martin with Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com, and we appreciate all the time that he gave us. Very interesting stuff, isn't it? It really puts things into perspective, I think, for the oil and energy industry overall. Here in the state of Kansas and nationwide, can we replenish those oil reserves? It's going to be a big challenge, especially when the Biden administration selling it off to China while we say we hate China. Let me put this into perspective. We're selling our oil reserves to China to deplete our oil reserves so we don't have a backup while we're saying that we're going to potentially have a conflict with China because they don't want us in Taiwan after Pelosi uh, kind of pushed the button and kind of triggered China, so to speak, by going to Taiwan and now them throwing a fit about it. And while we're potentially in some type of up-in-arms conflict with them, we're about to be, we're still selling them oil reserves. That way we are depleted and then we're going to be dependent on them later on. Or when China or Russia opens up their oil reserves again and then we just flood the market with it and we start buying things from Russia all over again after all the stuff they've done. But hey, at least we're going to have cheap gas then, right? Instead of just drilling it domestically and bringing jobs back and actually making us self-sufficient. I know that's a crazy, wild, triggering moment for the other side of the aisle, but hey, it's what needs to happen and we're going to continue to battle for it. That does it for us today. Podcast of the show up in a little bit. We're back at it next Saturday for Candace Talk. We're going to start shifting gears into general election mode here soon, talking to all the candidates. We're also going to keep on about this abortion issue, letting people know what really happened. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay cool out there. Make sure to catch us for The Voice of Reason on Monday at 4 p.m. as well. Until then, we'll see you on the radio.